Hi everyone. Uh, today's Bible reading comes from the Book of Romans, uh, chapter 12, uh, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we do many from the one body, um, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to uh, encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Hey everyone, uh, my name's Alex. It's been a little while since I've been here. Uh, we've started a new service at 4pm. Uh, so, and there's a lot of new people here since last time I spoke. So I'll, you might not know who I am, so I'll tell you, uh, tell you my role here uh, at St Jude's. Uh, I'm the campus minister, so I kind of uh, oversee uh, all the congregations that meet on the Carlton site. And another thing about myself, I don't know who Harry Styles is, so no idea. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good way to start off the sermon, but, you know, there it is. It's good to be honest with each other. Uh, well, uh, tonight we're starting off a new series in Romans, chapters uh, 12 through 16. Uh, and not many of you would have been around when we kind of kicked off our journey through Romans because we started it right back in 2018. Uh, last year, we were in uh, a magnificent but challenging section uh, of Romans, uh, chapters 9 to 11, but uh, tonight's really exciting because we're kind of on the final stretch. And today's, uh, tonight's passage, uh, indeed this whole section really is shaped uh, and the trajectory is, is for it is set uh, by verse 1. So if you've got your uh, outlines with you, you've got your Bibles, have it in front of you. Uh, shaped by verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Uh, you see the word uh, mercy there. Uh, it's actually plural. So it's literally in view of God's mercies. In view of God's mercies. So what uh, mercies uh, is the Apostle Paul talking about? Well, really, that's Romans chapters 1 through 11. It's all about God's wonderful mercies towards us in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul opens uh, his letter with this uh, great declaration. Uh, the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That's awesome, but really the rest of chapters 1 to 3 are, are pretty bleak. 
They set out uh, the great problem, the great predicament of humanity, why we actually need saving. Uh, And the verdict is in all tribes, all peoples, all nations uh, sit under the judgment of God. No one has given God the worship he deserves. Nobody has loved the people around them the way that they know they should. And so the Apostle Paul says in chapter 3, there is none, uh, no one righteous, not even one. All have turned away, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But then there's wonderful news, the thrilling news of the Gospel. And the news is when we trust, when we depend, when we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're justified, we're forgiven, we're forgiven freely because of God's grace. And this salvation comes through the shedding of Christ's blood on the cross. And through Christ now we have peace with God. Because of Jesus there is now no condemnation. Because of Jesus we have the Holy Spirit. He makes us God's children. He conforms us to Christ's image. And he guarantees that we're going to share in Jesus' glory forever. And that great mercy of God is for all people, including the Israelites. And that's what we talked about last year in chapters 9 to 11, God's mercy to a people that had rejected him. And so Paul begins, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of that mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul's urging us here to live in response to that mercy of God. That's what today's passage is about and indeed that's what chapters 12 to 16 really are all about, that worship in response to God's mercy. And here God's saying it's time. It's time to hand it over. It's time to give me your life. It's time to surrender. But it's not an ultimatum. God's not like holding a gun to our heads. He's not an armed robber. God's coming with outstretched arms and blood-soaked hands. He's the king who comes, the king who gave his life for ours. In view of this mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. Here you can kind of see the embedded motivation. When he says, in view of God's mercy, he means the reason we respond to God in worship is because of mercy. And the motive is gratitude, thankfulness for what God has done for us. And that's not the same as as payback, right? We're not paying God back. In many other religions, God does something good for you Uh, And as long as you pay him back, the relationship can continue. And it's often the same in our world. Uh, Our relationships often can be conditional. I will stay in relationship with you as long as there's something in it for me. But it's not like that at all with God. It can't be because we can't actually pay him back. This is just a few verses earlier in Romans 11. Paul says this, Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. We can't pay God back. It all belongs to him anyway. It's all given 
to us by him anyway. Everything we have comes from God, not just salvation, but all of our lives. Every atom in our bodies, everything we enjoy, every breath we take is a gift from God. Even the good we do, the good works we do, they're given by God for us to do. So when we truly understand God's mercy, it's humbling. It's humbling. It's impossible to be proud or arrogant or self-righteous or self-important when we know that we're children of grace. That's what Paul says in verse 3. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So our response isn't payback. It can't be. It's gratitude. It's thankfulness. I knew a wonderful Christian brother who's now with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, A brain tumour took him about uh, 10 years ago, but even as the cancer progressed relentlessly through his life, uh, he received wonderful medical care. And that meant he could live longer and spend more time with his family. Uh, His wife, uh, after he passed, was really, really thankful she donated uh, money to the hospital, lots of money to the hospital to help other people but also because of her gratitude. She was so thankful. We've been saved from death. We've been liberated from hell. We've been given a new hope, a new life, a new future. How can we not overflow with gratitude and thankfulness? what does it look like to respond to God with gratitude and thankfulness? Well, the last part of verse 1 puts it this way. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship is a response to God's mercy. Uh, Worship is often described as what we do here on Sundays uh, when we sing and other things. It is that, but but worship is so much more than that. Worship involves every part of our lives, our public life, our private life, our inner life, our outer life. It includes our work, our behaviour at uni, our behaviour on the sporting field. Even there, yes, we're worshipping God. Our conversations at work with our friends, what websites we look at, it's all about worship. It's every part of our lives surrendered to him. And when we do that, our worship has got to be in accordance with what God says, in accordance with his word. And it's worth remembering that because I think sometimes we like to tell God how we're going to worship him. We like to tell him what he should approve of, how we should live, what relationships should look like but you don't tell God how he's to be worshipped. He tells you. A few years ago, I got these headphones on the screen for my wife. She loves them. Best present ever, she says. I think partly that's because they have a noise-cancelling function on them. It's important when there's three kids and a husband around the house. 
But the reason that I got them isn't because I'm sort of some awesome husband who's really attuned to my wife's emotions and needs. The reason I got them is because she told me to. She said, Alex, this is what I want. Not so bluntly. See, if I got to choose, this is what I would have got her. Football. I would have, we could have played kick to kick and big flat screen TV. I would have liked that. See, the thing is, we don't get to decide how we worship God. He tells us. Worship's got to be on his terms. That's why the scriptures are so central to true and proper worship of God. Well, here in the passage, he tells us what he wants. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. It's kind of a very tangible, a very uh, physical way of putting it, isn't it? Offer your bodies, give your whole body to God, not as a dead sacrifice, but as a living one, walking, talking, breathing, a living sacrifice. Now, I think he puts it like that. Is, uh, the reason is because he's saying worship is not just every part of your life, it's all of your life, 24-7. Try and think of something in your life that doesn't involve your body. You can't think without your brain. I've tried it, doesn't work. You can't speak or act without using your body. So when Paul says, offer your bodies, he's saying God wants all of you involved in worshipping him, not 10%, you have that 10% God and I'll do the rest uh, with what I want with the rest. Not 20%, not 40%, not 90%, but all of you involved in his worship. Worship, I think, is, is to be like breathing, right? I've heard from some experts that it's useful to do that all the time. I think we'd all agree. Every moment for God's glory, every recess of our hearts, every corner of our lives, an entire life lived in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you giving your life in worship to God? Is there an area of your life that you're kind of withholding from him? A part that you haven't given over to him? You see, God wants us to allow him to transform us. He wants to allow us uh, allow him to free us from fear, from self-reliance, from greed, from anger, from bitterness, from gossip, from lust, whatever it is that's stopping us offering our life to him in worship. This language of offering and sacrifices and worship, it also takes us right back to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, where uh, the Israelites uh, uh, sacrificed animals to God in the temple. But here we're not a dead sacrifice, we're a living one. And here what pleases God isn't the aroma of burnt animals, it's obedience, our obedience. And here our whole life is the altar upon which we worship the God of the universe. Maybe sometimes you might feel small, insignificant, 
maybe unnoticed. Maybe you think some of the things that you do don't make an impact. The thing is, whenever we do something in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, that has cosmic significance. Doing an assignment, filing documents, cleaning, speaking gently to unreasonable parents, praying for our friends. Whatever it is, when we do it, our love for Jesus and for others, it has cosmic significance for we impact the God of the universe. We put a smile on his face when we're worshipping him. We're pleasing him. Our worship never goes unnoticed by our Father in heaven. Well, the Apostle explains more about what this body offering, whole of life worship looks like in verse 2. Firstly, he states it negatively. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform. And then positively, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform, but instead be transformed. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. That is, you'll be able to know and do what pleases God. So on the negative side, do not conform to the patterns of this world. I don't know if you've read the stories about the Great Ocean Road, but apparently uh, at the moment coastal uh, erosion is a massive problem. The ocean's tide accelerated by climate change is really radically reshaping the shoreline. And that means uh, the beautiful beaches along the road and even the road itself is coming under threat. The Apostle Paul is saying here, don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. Don't allow yourself to be shaped by the world. There are kind of some obvious examples of really broken and sinful things that could shape us. Violent racism, pornography, But the way the world shapes us is more than that. It's any vision, any hope, any dream, any worldview that rejects or sidelines Jesus, anything where we take Jesus out of the centre and just kind of have have him orbiting around our lives. The Apostle says, by the power of the Spirit of God, resist the tide. Fall out of love with money and status and achievement and hedonistic pleasure Fall in love with Jesus. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. That's the negative. Don't be conformed. And the positive is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's a picture of the Namib Desert in southern Africa. Apparently it's the second driest desert in the world. Average annual rainfall of about five millimetres. Back in 2018, there was a part of the desert, though, that had uh, 20 millimetres of rain in two days. Uh, Then uh, a few weeks later, this kind of amazing transformation took place. These little succulents started to grow. The seeds had lain dormant for, like, years, but after the rain, they suddenly started to grow. And then a week later, something else happened. The landscape was covered by these beautiful uh, yellow 
and pink flowers. This is the kind of stunning transformation that the Spirit works in us. He renews our mind to think God's thoughts after him, to repent of attitudes that dishonour the Lord Jesus Christ. He renews our mind to love what Jesus loves, to rejoice in what he rejoices in, to be loyal to Jesus in every side of every argument. And he does it through the word of God. A renewed mind needs the scriptures to be open. Well, in what follows from uh, verse 3 in chapter 12, right through really to the end of Romans, the Apostle gives us some very practical examples of what uh, the worship of transformed lives look like. Now, in our context, it would be, I think, quite natural uh, to really individualise as verses 1 and 2, where a lot of us here, not all of us, but a lot of us are shaped by our Western culture. Now, if these verses are mainly about the individual, about my worship, what do you reckon should follow? Well, I reckon a whole lot of instructions concerning personal holiness. But notice what actually follows. Now, Paul starts talking not just about personal holiness, but about relationships. Verses 4 and 5. In Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I offer my body to God by offering myself to the body. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves. Verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Chapter 13, love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And read chapters 14 and 15 and they're all about how Jews and Gentiles together, all of God's people can love and accept each other and live together in harmony in the church. So when Paul is talking here about transformation that results in all of life worship, he's talking about loving others. Worship is worked out in relationship. Transformation means thinking of yourself less and others more. Conforming to the world means uh, having a self-centred, me-first worldview, but a a renewed mind puts others first, your brothers and sisters here at church. That's the context of these verses, right? In the church in Rome. Brothers and sisters, the Apostle is saying, you can't worship God and not love his people. It's like a four-sided triangle. You can't have them, can you? Logical contradiction. Impossible. That's what it's like. We're his bride and body. We're his temple. God dwells in us by his spirit. We're the church that Jesus bought with his precious, precious blood. God is not just my father, he's Our Father, worshipping God means loving his people, his family. 
And so having a renewed mind means moving from a me and myself worldview to an us worldview. Many other cultures have a bigger sense of this, a bigger sense of us. But they tend to kind of default to blood family, right? But we also have to kind of think out of that as well because the blood of Jesus is thicker than the blood of earthly families. Like members of a body, verse 5, we belong to each other. So Paul is saying, God has bonded us together as a body, as a family, for eternity. And so God says, you cannot worship me unless you love my church, your church family. Now that's not the way we're thinking. Our thinking needs to be renewed. We need to be transformed in the way that we view the people around us. Because love for the body of Christ is what the worship of a transformed life looks like. And how does Paul say that this kind of love is expressed? Well, it's in verse 6. It's using your gifts for each other. It's service. Serving each other. God has given us each gift for that purpose. To serve one another. To build up the body of Christ. And in the giving out of gifts, no one's missed out. Nobody's been forgotten. All Christians have been given grace by God to serve one another. So if your gift is teaching, then what should you do? You should teach. If your gift is encouraging, what should you do? Encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's lead, then do it diligently. If it's showing mercy, then do it cheerfully. Now many of the gifts that Paul lists Uh, All of us should be doing, encouraging, giving, but it's clear here that some people are especially gifted in that area. And this list, it's not exhaustive. So, look, if you don't see your special gift there, don't worry. It's not meant to be a list of everything. There are other passages in the New Testament as well that have different gifts. So the call here isn't to kind of find your special gift in the list. The call here is whatever gift you have, use it in the service of others because offering yourself to God means offering yourself in service all of you are God's gift to us here at Uni Church at St Jude's we're better because you're with us and when you're using your gifts when we're using our gifts together just like a body works better when everything's going right, we flourish, we function well. So how's your worship going? How's it going? Are you loving people? Are you serving? Because worshipping God means loving his people and loving his people means serving them. Now you might be uh, sitting here thinking, 
I want to do that, but I'm not sure what my gift is. How do I kind of find my way into this? Well, maybe you're new or newish and you're kind of still figuring out where you kind of fit at uni church, and that's, that's fine you're still, if you're figuring out how you might use your gifts. Uh, when you join a community, it kind of takes time to find your place and to settle in. And if you need help with that process, you can talk to Sam or you can talk to Larissa or you can talk to me. You might be here and think, well, well, there's lots of people here, actually. Maybe it's all covered. It's not all covered. There's always a place for you to use your gifts. And actually, there's lots of opportunities at Uni Church, but actually all through St Jude's, to use your gifts uh, to bless others and help us flourish. So if you're ready, whether you're new or you've been here a while, uh, come and speak to Sam or Larissa or to myself about what you think your gifts might be and what, where you might go about using them. Because worshipping God means loving his people and loving his people means serving them. I actually think this word of God is so relevant for us. Because the push will be for us to conform to the pattern of the world, right? And in our church context, in a Western kind of church context, that can mean coming to church with a consumer mindset. Now, what does a consumer do? Well, they measure something not on what they give, but on what they get, how happy or satisfied they are. And so a consumer has no problem uh, not loving or serving others. Now, that really doesn't fit with what God is saying here. And so maybe the best way uh, to kind of measure church isn't how much I personally got out of it, but how much I gave. Did I turn up? Yes. Were prayers prayed? Yes. Uh, Was the Bible taught? Yes. Did I get to love? Yes. Did I get to serve? Yes. And if you can say yes to all those things, church has been great, even if Alex was a little long and boring. Because we're not here as consumers, are we? We're here to love and to serve. Because that's responding to God's mercy. That's worshipping God with a renewed mind and a transformed life. Shall I pray? Loving Father God, we thank you. Our hearts are full with gratitude at your mercy towards us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, please continue to renew us, to transform us by your spirit, our minds and our whole body, so that we might worship you with all that we are and help that to translate into us loving you and loving others and serving the body of Christ here at Uni Church in St Jude's. Amen.